The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. You're listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, where spirituality and recovery meet with Rev. Anna Schaus, Ph.D. From Soul Matters Ministry in Olympia, Washington. Now, here's your host, Rev. Anna Schaus. You know the saying, a good deed is its own reward? Well, moving toward a plant-based diet and vegan lifestyle is one kind and compassionate act that isn't just its own reward. It will also reward you with vibrant health, boundless energy, an easy way to keep your weight where you want it, and according to Yogi's and Unity's co-founder Charles Fillmore, even give a boost to your spiritual life. On Main Street Vegan, the radio program named for the popular book, Victoria Moran will make your move in a vegan direction easy, fun, affordable, and delicious. With enticing topics and entertaining guests every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Time, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. You're listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, where spirituality and recovery meet with Rev. Anna Schaus, Ph.D. From Soul Matters Ministry in Olympia, Washington. Now, here's your host, Rev. Anna Schaus. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth in recovery. My name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your host, and I want to thank you for listening with us today. I'm very glad that you have joined us, and thank you so much for liking us on Facebook, on the Spirit of Recovery Facebook page, and also thank you for sending emails. It's great to hear from you and find out, uh, hear what's going on for you in your spirituality and your recovery journey. So thank you for participating with us here. And I want to also thank you for letting your friends and the people in your recovery community, your unity community, and your other spiritual communities know about us here on Spirit of Recovery. It's great to be broadcasting on the topic of recovery on unityonlineradio.org. And um, glad to know that what we're doing here is making a difference for you in your life, that it's touching your heart, that it's opening your mind, that it's providing inspiration for you. 
as you uh, continue to grow spiritually. You know that you can listen to us here on Spirit of Recovery in a variety of ways. Of course, you can listen through your computer, you can listen through your smart device, and uh, you can listen live, and you can also listen on demand. If you go to www.unityonlineradio.org, slash program, slash Spirit of Recovery, you'll find several years' worth of archives of really great programs. I want you to know that Spirit of Recovery is a welcoming place so that if you are a person in recovery from any kind of an addiction, if you're the family member or friend of somebody uh, that's in recovery or somebody that has the disease of addiction, whether they're in recovery or not, or whether or not you're in recovery as a family member or friend, or whether you're just simply curious, interested about the process of recovery, you're very welcome here uh, on Spirit of Recovery as a listener and certainly as a participant if you have a comment or a question on the topic of the day for our guests. Again, my name is Anna Schaus, and I am your Spirit of Recovery host. I'm a Unity Minister and an Addictions Counselor. I'm also a person who has in my own circle of love and friendship many people that have the disease of addiction. And uh, almost 33 years ago now, those relationships got me started on an active path of personal growth and spiritual development, for which I am really, really grateful Ever since then, my walk has been an integration of the unity and recovery principles, and that walk keeps richly transforming my life. It keeps me growing in ever deeper ways, and so I am very grateful and very delighted to have the opportunity to share these ideas with you and to hear what's happening for you and your spiritual growth and recovery. So today, our topic is forgiveness. And we're going to be exploring the idea that forgiveness is indeed the foundation of spiritual recovery. My guest today is Mahala, and Mahala is a Unity spiritual leader. She is the leader of Unity by the Bay in Severna Park, Maryland, and she uh, started that leadership in 2003. Uh, Mahala is a person who is a licensed Unity teacher, and uh, she is also a person in long-term recovery. She got introduced to 12-step programs in 1989 and worked in recovery from 91 to 2000 and um, has also uh, has a lot of uh, study in her background and a lot of uh, ways that she has deepened her own uh, personal work and her own professional work. She uh, has a degree in psychology from the University of Alaska and is a member of the American Holistic Health Association. And Mahala received a doctorate in psychoneuroimmunology in 97 from the American Pacific University. And she also has an, a very interesting background um, and is multicultural in a very wonderful sense. And she's going to talk with us about that today, I'm sure, and uh, share with us how that influences her life and her perspective. So Mahala, welcome to Spirit of Recovery. Thank you, Anna. It's good to be here. Very, thank you for being my guest, and, and uh, very glad that you're here. So uh, we're going to be talking about the topic of forgiveness, and um, a lot of people uh, have an idea about forgiveness, I think, that sometimes holds them back instead of frees them. Would you uh, tell us a bit about your concept of forgiveness and why you see it as uh, so important? Sure. Um, I would I would like to tell you a little story that touched my life and had a huge impact on me. 
And it is that when I was about about 21 or 22 years old, I was talking to my mother, and I had some anger and resentment towards my father. And I was recounting some of the things that he had done to us as kids, and I was telling it with a great deal of relish <laughs> and uh, reliving it and, you know, as as only a 21-year-old can, kind of really getting into it. And I told Mother this story, probably that I told her many times, but about this huge atrocity that my father had committed. And my mother listened to me, and then she stopped me at the end of it all. And she said, you know, you haven't forgiven your father. And I said, uh, with a a contempt that only a 21-year-old can have and assurance, I said, I don't recall him ever asking for my forgiveness. And she said, forgiveness is not about him at all. It's about you. And I recognized some truth in that when she said it. And it took me probably another nine or ten years to fully grasp what she meant. But I came to understand that it truly was not about him at all. (laughs) It wasn't about him admitting he was wrong. It wasn't about him, um, you know, coming and begging me for my forgiveness. It truly was in order for me to find my own wholeness and to be happy, joyous, and free in this life, I needed to forgive. And so I took that lesson and have used it many, many times in my life because I do think sometimes one of the obstacles that we have to forgiveness is we think it means saying whatever that other person did was okay or that it didn't matter or that it wasn't what it was. (laughs) And I've just learned from the lesson that my mom gave me that forgiveness really means I'm okay, that I have healed within myself I have found my wholeness, and I'm okay. And I really believe that that is a lot of what recovery is about, finding our Mm -hmm. own wholeness again and truly being okay within ourselves. Would you tell us a a little bit about uh, your early recovery process in, in terms of finding wholeness? What was it um, that was missing for you before recovery uh, and what began to be healed or began to sort of blossom in you as you began a recovery process? I think for me, um, I felt that I was a victim and other people had harmed me and done things to me 
And as a result, there was something broken in me. And like a lot of people, I turned to a substance to heal myself with the substance because it numbed the pain. It took away the feelings that I was having. And um, a lot of, um, let me say this, I know now that the minute that I put a substance in my body, I was cutting off the flow, the divine flow. I was sealing myself off from that because I was using something else. I was putting my my faith in a substance. And when I came into recovery and through the power of the group and the love and the support that I found there, I was able to put the substance down and find the power within me. Mm -hmm. So I could stop being a victim and became empowered and found my wholeness from within. Mm -hmm. You know, you you bring up an interesting point, and it is one that people... um, in a recovery process, do talk about a lot, but I, I'm going to ask you if you can uh, detail this a little bit more because I'm not sure in a way that that we talk about this so much in terms of the details of what does that really mean, and and that is the idea that we can put a substance uh, in place of our higher power that in a sense, uh, and you did say I put my faith in a substance uh, rather mm-hmm. than in an inner spiritual... Again, uh, what does that mean? I mean, one thing you said is that uh, faith, I put my faith in it. What does that mean? And other, what does it mean to make a substance or behavior, an addictive behavior or something, your higher power? What does it really look like? Well, if I want to change um, how I feel about anything, if I have feelings of fear or inadequacy or, you know, any kind of uncomfortable feeling. I'm in a group of people and I don't, I don't feel like I belong. <laughs> you know, the substance or whatever it is that you use, <laughs> you know, um, it, can, it can be addictive thought patterns. But the substance that I used was the thing that I used to make myself feel better. I, if I had... Um, alcohol, I felt stronger and happier and prettier and more like I fit in and more like I belonged. (laughs) And uh, Mm -hmm. I think, you know, when we do that enough, um, I do believe that it is the exact same thing as putting our, our faith in that substance. And we use it instead of going within to the power that that is, indwells us, the Christ Spirit. And um, I guess I feel that that at the root is, is the core, you know, of what has to be healed in us. And through that process, for a lot of people, we pick up a lot of anger and resentment 
along the way and we, we feed it, you know, <laughs> we fuel it. And so much of recovery is about returning to that, to that wholeness within us that we don't, we don't need anything outside of ourselves and the power that lives it inside of all of us. Mm-hmm. You know, that's interesting. And uh, what you're saying is certainly in essence of that a substance or addictive behavior or addictive thinking or whatever, it, in a sense, makes us feel better for a while or, or seems to plug the hole. And what's it like when it stops working so well and that sense of betrayal or uh, what's it like when what you put your faith in betrays you? I think, you know, the disease, and I do believe it is a disease, you know, and I I do think it has genetic components, and not everyone who abuses a substance has the disease, (laughs) but I think if you have the disease and you have this particular genetic makeup and brain chemistry, you know, that that is susceptible to that, and by the way, for me, um, on my mother's side uh, was Native American. And on my father's side was black Irish. So between the Irish and the Native American, genetically, I was probably pre-wired <laughs> to, you know, to have the disease. Um, but mm-hmm. when, when, when we, you, when we give, give over to that disease and we allow a substance to become the thing that we go to, the thing that we use, I think over time, it becomes so empty and so hollow. And, and, you know, there is no real power in the substance. There is nothing that it, that it gives us that really sustains or helps us. So that there is a huge sense of, you know, a hole in the soul was the way that, that I'd heard it described that made sense to me. And of course, in truth, there was no hole in the soul, but I think we have to go through that process of, of figuring out at some level, because you want, you use more of it and then you use more of it and you need more of it to feel better about yourself or to feel, to try to get the feeling that you used to get. Um, and it's not there anymore. And so you have a choice, you know, you can go through life, with hurt and pain and resentment and anger, trying to, you know, trying to recapture that, or you can come to ground <laughs> and go through the, the process that we, that we call re- recovery, which for me mm-hmm. is so much about re- recovering our, you know, I call it soul loss, you know, in, in so many ways uh-huh. that uh, the essence, the essence of our very spirit leaks out into you know, the universe, and we, we have misplaced it, misplaced it. Mm-hmm. And along the way, we pick up a lot of resentments, <laughs> which have to be forgiven. Uh-huh. Okay, this is good. Uh, what, what are those resentments? How come we pick up so many resentments in this process? What's that about? <laughs> you know, I think that... It, Suffering from any addiction puts us at odds with the world, and we feel that we don't fit in, and we feel less than, and people might be worried about us, and people might be whatever, and it's an isolating disease, 
you know, it's a very isolating disease. And I think from that separate, that sense of separation, you know, we, we're truly separated from, from our own core, but it manifests as, you know, we, we feel isolated from everybody else in the world. And I think that's why so much of the recovery process, if, if you look into the steps of recovery, is about healing those resentments that we've, you know, that we've picked up. You know, the steps are so much about taking a good hard look at ourselves and getting honest with ourselves about ourselves. And we make a list of... Hold that thought. You know, we... Hold that thought. Okay. It's time for our first break. But um, our topic today is forgiveness, the foundation of spiritual recovery. My guest is Mahala. Mahala is the Unity Spiritual Leader of Unity by the Bay in Severna Park, Maryland, and a person in long-term recovery. We'll be right back. Stay with us. As Unity Online Radio continues to expand its programming and outreach to the world, we count on the support of listeners like you. Please make your donation today. Go to www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. Looking for the spiritual in your everyday life? Searching for meaning in the meaningless? Check out the book, Rants to Revelations, by Reverend Ogan Holder. Using his characteristic wit, humor, and storytelling, Reverend Ogan brings spiritual insight into practically every arena of human life. From issues of spiritual growth and family life to deep theological concerns about God and reality, he combines personal narrative with philosophical and scientific understanding to bring a fresh perspective into the life of faith in today's postmodern world. Pick up a copy of Rants to Revelations today from www.rantstorevs.com. Are you tired of life slamming the door in your face? Did you get another rejection letter, pink slip, foreclosure notice, or go on yet another bad date? Does it seem like the older you get, the more hopeless life seems? Are you ready to stop taking no as your final answer? Then join us for Design Your Life, a talk show by Kevin Cottrell Ross, the coach's coach. Go into the locker room for one full hour with the championship coach every week and start designing your winning playbook that will make the rest of your life the best of your life. That's Design Your Life with Kevin Cottrell Ross, the coach's coach, Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Central Time on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. listening to Spirit of Recovery with Reverend Anna Schaus and her guest. If you have a question or comment or experience with today's topic that you'd like to share, call us now at 888-55-UNITY. That's 888-558-6489. Call now or email us at spiritofrecovery 
at unityonlineradio.org. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. My name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your Spirit of Recovery host. If you're just joining us, our topic today is forgiveness, the foundation of spiritual recovery, and we're talking about what forgiveness is, what it isn't, how it's a part of the recovery process, and how it helps us with those resentments in those places that feel unhealed, where we feel disconnected from ourselves uh, and our higher power. My guest is Mahala. Mahala is a Unity spiritual leader um, at Unity by the Bay in Severna Park, Maryland. She also um, is a member of the American Holistic Health Association and has a doctorate in psychoneuroimmunology from the American Pacific University and is a person in long-term recovery, and she's sharing with us today. Before we get back to our uh, topic and my discussion with Mahala, I invite you to join me for a meditation, a brief time uh, to share a constructive idea and to open up in the silence to the presence of our higher power as we understand that higher power, each of us, and um, in our serenity minute. So I invite you to relax and to share with me this constructive idea. I'm whole. I'm a part of life. I'm loved and I'm loving. I am free. I am whole. I am a part of life. I am loved and I am loving. I am free. And we take just a moment in the quiet. opportunity for uh, opening up to the presence of your higher power and that higher power's love for you. And now I'm back to my discussion with my guest, Mahala, talking about forgiveness. So before the break, um, Mahala, you were talking about um, how important the 12 steps are in terms of helping us know about ourselves and face some of those resentments, which is really the foundation of healing and, and getting out of uh, that disconnection. So uh, what is it about that taking that inventory that, that you were beginning to tell us about that, that really helps with the process of recovery and uh, how forgiveness is part of that? Well, I'm going to share with you a little quote from the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, it's on page 66, and it says, It is plain that a life which includes deep resentment, leads only to futility and unhappiness. To the precise extent that we permit these, do we squander the hours that might have been worthwhile. But with the alcoholic, whose hope is the maintenance and growth of a spiritual experience, this business of resentment is infinitely grave. We find that it is fatal. For when harboring such feelings, we shut ourselves off from the sunlight of the spirit. The insanity of alcohol returns, and we drink again. And with us, to drink is to, is to die. 
<laughs> so that's 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 pretty um that's pretty specific there. And um you know, I, I look I look at the twelve steps um a lot like um a diabetic diet. It's a very healthy mm-hmm. diet that would be good for everyone to be on. But for the diabetic, it is absolutely life essential to maintain and control good eating habits to control and manage their disease. I look Mm -hmm. at the 12 steps and the spiritual program, you know, for people of any kind of addiction, it's a, it's a good healthy program that would be a great benefit to everyone. (laughs) But to those who suffer from uh, addiction or alcoholism, um, it is absolutely critical to our life that we stay connected to a spiritual program and connected to a higher power um, to to remain um, to to keep the disease you know under uh, control. And I I would liken that to uh, diabetes as well. You know, you don't cure it, you manage it. <laughs> mm-hmm. So the the process mm-hmm. of really getting honest with yourself um, and making your list of resentments. Um, I find it always have found it fascinating that, you know, the, uh, the fourth and fifth steps, which is taking your own inventory, you make a, you know, you make a list of the people that you have resentments against. And those end up being the people that you have to make amends to. <laughs> You have to Bummer. make amends to the huh? people that that you had resentments towards because those are the people that you have harmed. Uh-huh. <laughs> and sometimes mm-hmm. that harm is just in holding thoughts, um, you know, that, that uh-huh. you resented them and you had negative energy towards them. <laughs> but, um, you know, that whole, it seems to me that whole process really is, is about forgiving, you know, forgiving others so that we can forgive ourselves. Yeah, what about self-forgiveness? What what do we need to forgive ourselves for? You know, I've, I've thought a lot about the whole forgiveness, um, and I've, you know, come to the conclusion that, that God doesn't, God doesn't need to forgive us, you know, and God, in God's eyes, we're perfect and whole. There's nothing to forgive, <laughs> you know, so all this work that we do about asking for forgiveness and being forgiven, that's, that's, that's just our work, you know, because in God's eyes, we are forgiven already. But for us, because we have shame and guilt and resentment and anger, that is the soul sickness, I believe. So in order mm-hmm. to heal, we have to do that, that work, you know, of, of forgiving. And I think that ultimately... It all is about self-forgiveness. <laughs> we may put a face on it out there and say, I need to forgive this person for this horrible thing they've done to me. But ultimately, um, you know, we teach this in unity. There really is nothing out there. It's all in here, <laughs> inside me. So it ultimately really is all about reclaiming our wholeness and filling all of those places that we've harbored anger or Ill, Ill will in our own heart, filling that with God's love. 
Mm-hmm. What changes in your life and what do you see in other people's lives when we do that, when we start reclaiming the wholeness? And I liked what you said earlier today about uh, something about bringing our soul back in or uh, we, that maybe we lost connection with it and bringing it back in. How does life get different? How, how have you seen that yourself and how do you see it with other people? Well, you know, happily, usefully whole. <laughs> we become lighter and brighter. We become more interested in what we can give to this world. You know, we're not stewing in our own juices, <laughs> so to speak. Um, but, we, you know, we become interested in how we can be of service in the world. We become more um, invested in bringing our gifts and our talents forward and being a blessing in this world. And we're not so self-centered anymore. You know, you you can see the light come on in people's eyes. You can see the, the self-respect, you know, that comes back in and um, the, the joy, you know, the sunlight of the spirit is, we've all seen, we've all seen that in somebody and you, you know, when, people feel connected to their source. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, you've combined, uh, or I don't know the word, that may not be the word you would use, I don't know, but you obviously you, uh, stud- you have studied unity deeply. You do study it. You're a leader in unity, leader of a, of a ministry, and also, uh, you know, do work a 12-step program. How do you work those together? How are they similar and how are they different? Well, I I find them to be very, very compatible, you know, and I think a lot of people from 12-step programs um, find unity as as kind of the next step in their spiritual journey. Um, You know, I I had an interesting childhood in that my, my father was a very fundamentalist um, Christian minister, but we went to Africa and I was in a boarding school with 50 nationalities. And so I, I lived with in this boarding school, people from all religions all over the world. And I was able to see how they practice their faith, you know, and I began to question some of the more, you know, rigid the rigid fundamentalist interpretation of scripture that I'd grown up with because I just couldn't really believe that um, only 2% of the world was going to heaven. <laughs> you know? It just wasn't working for me in a world with a loving, a loving, a loving God, you know, and uh, being exposed to so many different religions, I think really, you know, I saw people of faith who had different symbols of that faith and, mm-hmm. and different ways, different ways of expressing it. But at core, I kind of got the sense that it was all about the same thing. So I think that really opened the door for my being absolutely, you know, drawn first to 12-step programs because in 12-step 12, in 12 programs, it's the God of your understanding, Nobody tells you here's you know here's the dogma that you have to believe in and buy into it's it's and I saw evidence 
that no matter what God people did or didn't believe in, that there were certain principles that worked. And they worked profound changes in people's lives. And I began to really know that God was so much bigger, you know, than any box we could we could put him in, put her in, put it in. <laughs> and um, mm-hmm. it was it was an exciting time for me when I came into a twelve step program. And, and you know, the proof is in the pudding. The proof is in how it changes lives and and how people live. That that to me is the proof of any spiritual program. <laughs> And so when I when I found the twelve step, it was it was an, an a very freeing, radically freeing kind of experience for me. And I realized that it was the unconditional love in the rooms from the people, and the acceptance from the people, and the good orderly direction in the steps that was the the key. And so it opened my mind. You know, the next step for me then was was unity, um, where we, you know, we we grew a little bit a little bit bigger, God, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. more accepting of all people, and we're we're about principles, you know, not so much symbols. Mm-hmm. What were some of the principles uh, before you even maybe got into twelve step before? that you saw around you as a child, that you said you saw spiritual principles, no matter what religion people were, but that made a difference in their lives. What were some of the things that you saw um, that did that did really change people's lives that were spiritual, but maybe not religious, so to speak? Being connected to nature and caring about the earth um, was really big. Um, a lot of the people, um, I, I remember specifically that we would have these movies that they would bring in, and if the movie had any kind of violence in it whatsoever, any kind of violence, all of the Europeans' um, families would, would absolutely protest that they would not tolerate their children seeing any kind of violence. And the Americans, you know, they, they they didn't care about violence. They didn't want any sex, though. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and it, it was it was very interesting. But violence of against, you know, a lot of the people that I grew up with are vegetarian, and they did not believe in taking life in any form. And there was a re- a reverence, you know, for life. And so to be violent towards another human being was was unthinkable. And they truly, truly lived by the golden rule. Do unto others as you would want done to yourself. And that, that included, you know, in their mind, don't eat them. <laughs> don't kill them and don't eat them. <laughs> and to see things practiced with such um, reverence for, for, for life, for human life. Um, they were very big on compassion. And um, making sure that nobody was left out and everybody got their share, and, um, and there was it was it was a very different mindset, but there was um, a kinder, in many ways, a kinder, gentler um, approach to spirituality than 
some of what I had seen, you know, in the past. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It sounds like a lot of it does have to do with a sense of community and uh, participating with other people in in ways that are respectful. Does that yes. uh, capture yes. some of what you saw? Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, and the How African do you use community, that? Go ahead. The African communities that I w- was raised around, they were, um, they were so joyful, you know, and they were so, it's all about community. You know, if there was food brought into the village, no matter how little, they shared it. You know, nobody was going to get ahead of somebody else or get more than somebody else. It was just understood that for them to survive, everything had to be shared. Mm-hmm. That's profound. And um, I'm sure that there are lots of ways that you use that um, in your work as a spiritual leader, and uh, it's... When we come back, it's time for our break now, but when we come back, I want to ask you about that, how you use uh, your experience in Africa um, and that sense of community, and also I know that you do work in uh, conflict resolution and peacemaking, so I want to hear how that's influenced you, and I know forgiveness is all a part of that. So it's uh, time for our break. Listeners, stay with us, and we'll be right back and keep talking about forgiveness with my guest, Mahala. We'll be right back. Unity Institute and Seminary invites you to take a spiritual tour of Eastern Europe. Spend 10 days and 9 nights in the heart of Europe, September 17th through the 26th, 2014. Visit the magnificent capitals of Eastern Europe, including Budapest, Vienna, and Prague. Stay in first-class hotels, enjoy guided walking tours, dine on local specialties, and even take a boat cruise on an underground lake. A portion of your trip will benefit Unity Institute and Seminary. Explore the culture, sights, and spirit of Eastern Europe with Unity Friends. Book your trip today. Call 800-828-4813. That's 800-828-4813. Or visit unityinstitute.org slash travel. You've seen reality TV. Well, now get ready for reality radio. It's raw, unpredictable, and completely unscripted. Healing Your Life with Dr. Chris Michaels follows the lives of four people each season as they face their fears and overcome challenges. Listen in weekly and follow along as they take each faithful step on their journey. Learn what it takes to really heal your life. Dr. Chris Michaels shows you how to expect specific and measurable results from prayer. He says we must place a demand upon consciousness. We don't hope to get what we pray for. We expect it. As a 25-year veteran in the New Thought Movement, Dr. Chris has helped thousands of people find their way to success and healing. His faith is unshakable, and his commitment to helping others heal through the power of prayer is extraordinary. Don't miss Reality Radio, Healing Your Life with Dr. Chris Michaels, live Mondays at 11 a.m. Central Time on Unity Online Radio.
You're listening to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, with your host, Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D. And now, here's Anna. Welcome back to the Spirit of Recovery. Um, my guest today is Mahala. Mahala is the spiritual leader of Unity by the Bay in Severna Park, Maryland, and she's also a person in long-term recovery. Um, Mahala has a a degree in psychology and uh, also is a doctorate in, has a doctorate in psychoneuroimmunology from the American Holistic Health Association and um, is a person in long-term recovery and she's sharing with us about forgiveness as the foundation of spiritual recovery and how that works. So, um, before the break, we were talking a bit about uh, your experience growing up in East Africa, about what you learned in African communities about the importance of sharing with each other and, and knowing what's, what's, the, what's the highest good for the group is the highest good for the individual. So how do you use that um, both in your own personal growth, maybe in your family, and, and also as a spiritual leader in a Unity Church how do you use that? What, how does that work? You know, I think um, in, in the Unity Center that I um, work in, we have learned, you know, I've, I've been there 12 years, and so we've all grown a lot. We've all learned a lot over the 12 years. And when I, when I came in there, there was some conflict, <laughs> and um, there was that, that tendency to separate and divide and, and um, we're right and they're wrong and, you know, the majority should rule and that whole, that, that, that whole thing, uh, the, the American way, you know, <laughs> majority <laughs> rule. And, mm-hmm. and I started out thinking that was, you know, that might, that was probably right, you know, and over over the time that I've been there, I've learned that every voice matters. That um, if everyone has a voice and can be heard and feel that they were heard, that you can move forward in true unity. You don't have to all agree. But you can't overlook what some people are saying. You know, you can't ignore it. And that even when people leave the church or leave the community, they don't leave. Physically, they may leave. Mm -hmm. But their energy is always still there. Mm -hmm. So you might as well try to heal it to start with. (laughs) Because ten years later, you may still be working with that same energy, and it's, it's uh, you know that that all inclusion um, learning to really allow everyone to have have their say, and that everyone has different experience, and they're coming from that experience with whatever they're saying. And if we're not able to communicate, we cannot heal. Uh, and we cannot heal what people cannot feel, and they can't express it. You know, if they can't express it or they're not allowed to express it, um, it festers, you know. So I think true unity is, is really about giving equal respect to every every voice. And um, obviously, you know, not everyone can have 
things the way that they want it. But just like in tribal cultures, I think it's critical that everyone feel heard and respected. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think about that. It's, it, I love circles and, and, and circles of people. I think about that. It's like it, it creates the circle or makes the circle um, whole or, or complete. It, it heals any breaks in the circle when we can really hear people. It's like they feel their right. fullness, I think. Right. Mm-hmm. You brought up an interesting point when you said not everybody has to agree. Um, and when we're thinking about forgiveness, uh, again, people have a lot of ideas about that. Sometimes people think it means that uh, that we all have to agree or that we have to stay in close relationship with somebody, um, even if, you know, there's been things that weren't right and so forth. Mm-hmm. How do you look at that, and what do you think Jesus had to say about that? You know, I, I think it's so important that, that people understand, you know, and, and I think this is a big part of recovery is, you know, healthy boundaries, that forgiveness, first of all, we've already established, it really doesn't have anything to do with the other person. It has everything to do with healing us inside of ourselves letting go of anger and resentment and anything that poisons our our own self. But I think that it is quite possible and um, even necessary, you know, to um, forgive someone and release them. And it, forgiveness doesn't always mean that everything goes back the way that it was or that we're all in the same, um, you know, that we all end up in, in, in agreement. I, at all, I think that um, it's it's critical that if you know that you and I can be in separate places on something, and we may not we may choose not to you know be best friends anymore, but we can release each other in in love. Um, doesn't always mean you know that things go back the way that they were. You know, no matter mm-hmm. just that we that we have healed inside of ourselves. And that I wish you no ill will in my heart whatsoever. But you may want to stay on your side of the street. I don't know. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And it's like what you said about the energy in a community where there's uh, conflict that people may leave. But if, if the people that are staying haven't done the work to let go of the ill will, um, or the sense of threat or whatever, guess what? As you've already said, you, there, there's the energy field, and someone right. else will step in to play the role, huh? Right. Absolutely. I, I mean, we have proven that over and over in, in our work, you know, and I, it, it, we've just we've kind of marveled at times that we think we've, we've dealt with something, and usually that means, you know, that person left, or we think that it, it's solved, you know. And it comes back around in a different way or in a different form or with a different face. And it's so clear to me that the work to be done is within, you know, making peace with, when Jesus said, you know, love thine enemies, you know, it's like make peace with those things that we are at war with in ourselves because it is ourselves. That That's what I believe Jesus meant when he said, love your enemies. It's, it's, it's yourself. 
It's your own energy mm-hmm. coming back at you, <laughs> and it'll keep coming back. You know, sometimes we think we're being punished, but we're actually being loved, and that we just keep getting opportunities to heal these things within ourselves. So when, uh, you know, when that opponent or that challenger comes back around, it's like, you know, instead of saying, oh, God, no, it's like, thank you. Thank you. I get to do this again, and this time maybe I'll get it right. Mm-hmm. So that's how in unity and in recovery we can say, oh, good, there's an opportunity, <laughs> and we're not just being silly. It's true. It's true. You know, it, it would not, we say it's all about our consciousness, and we believe that to a point, you know, and then there comes that point when it's like, oh, no, it has to be about them, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. And, and I just truly believe we keep getting these opportunities to, um, you know, one of my prayers is, you know, reveal to me that which needs to be revealed and heal in me that which needs to be healed. And it comes back around. We don't know what needs to be revealed and healed until it shows back up in our lives, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I it's know an that you have a prayer... Right, yeah. You have a prayer that you wrote, uh, you said, early in your uh, recovery that was uh, very helpful to you, and would you share that with us? I will. I wrote this really early in recovery, and I called it the the Prayer for Self-Acceptance. Dear God, please help me to accept myself, all of myself the parts I am proud of and the parts that I'm still working on with compassion and gentleness and love. Help me to admit mistakes freely without feeling shame and to recognize these lessons have come in order that I might learn from them and to teach me. Help me to find my own true voice and to say what I mean and to mean what I say and to make corrections when necessary without any need to defend, explain, or justify. Help me to see the good in myself and in others, and to laugh at myself, and to laugh with others more. Help me to discover and recognize my own unique gifts and talents, and my own contributions to this world, and to honor these unique gifts and talents, and to honor the contributions of others. Help me to accept who I am, a beloved and special child of yours, holy and perfect in your eyes. And above all, dear God, help me to remain patient and gentle with myself and with others as we all move forward in our own time, in our own way, in love and in peace. Amen. And so it is. I'm really touched by the self-respect and the wonderful humility in that prayer. Thank you so much for sharing that. Thank How you for having me. impacted your life? You're welcome. Yeah, yeah. Has, we got just a, just a minute left, but how does that change your life that you were willing to, to write and pray that prayer, Mahala? You know, just the willingness to say I was wrong and I have made mistakes and 
has given me the gift of being able then to claim my gifts and my talents. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the flip. It's a flip side. <laughs> That it's okay to be wrong, and it's okay to stop, and it's okay to, to, to put my foot in my mouth makes it really okay for me to have my gifts and talents and to bring, to bring them forward, which is why I think we're here, <laughs> you know, to bring our gifts uh-huh. and talents into this world and to love and to create. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. I love that. And... uh I want to thank you so much uh, for being my guest today here on Spirit of Recovery. My guest is Mahala, the spiritual leader of Unity by the Bay in Severna Park, Maryland, and a person in long-term recovery and also a person who is very engaged in um, holistic health and in well-being and in creating peace. So, again, thank you for being my guest today. You really uh, touched our hearts and minds. Thank you, Anna. God bless you. God bless you. And listeners, thank you for being with us today. And you have a wonderful week, and we'll be back next week here on Spirit of Recovery. Thank you for listening to Spirit of Recovery with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D., and her guests. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central Time for down-to-earth ideas about keeping spirituality at the heart of your recovery. This program is brought to you in part by Soul Matters Ministry in Olympia, Washington. Committed to bringing light to the soul. Online at soulmatters-spiritworks.org. Is there a difference between the spiritual teachings you know and how you live your life? Does your day-to-day experience reflect what you truly value? Are you ready to receive your life and live the gift that you are? Join Janice Campbell, licensed Unity teacher, author, and coach each week as she shares inspiration and tools to help you identify and dissolve the limiting beliefs that prevent you from living the fullest expression of what you are. Talk with Janice live every Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Central on Receive Your Life, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Spirituality into your own hands? Bucking corporate religion in favor of finding your own path? Do you cross the boundary between religion and science? Or between religions themselves? Do you like a dose of humor with your truth-seeking? If you answered yes, you're what we call a holy rascal. Join Rabbi Rami Shapiro for How to Be a Holy Rascal, Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Central. Rami and his guests will engage in lively, humorous discussions about what it means to be a spiritual human being in the 21st century. How to Be a Holy Rascal, Wednesdays at 11 a.m., only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. I'm Dr. Mona Lisa, and I've been a medical intuitive for over 30 years. 
let me help you find new ways to heal physical and emotional problems. Be a part of my Healthy Living Intuitively podcast studio audience every week. Follow me on Facebook, Dr. Mona Lisa fan page, and Instagram, Dr. Mona Lisa One, to get that information. I answer audience questions, and you can learn from people calling in that might be dealing with the same things that you are. Follow Healthy Living Intuitively, part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network, and wherever you get your podcasts.